We ask you move in power today from a great God. So we ask your spirit would speak to us. We all have different needs this morning. Please meet us there. We love you. Amen? You can be seated. I love Operation Christmas Child. It's one of my favorite things of the year. As a church, I challenged Roz. I told Roz, I said, um, what's our record? She goes, well, 516. And I said, we're beating it this year. She goes, we're not having a packing party. I said, we're beating it this year. I don't know if you guys know this about me. I love a good challenge. And I also like to win. And so um, I want us to step into this. Orchard, I want this to be our biggest year ever. I want you guys to take boxes and pump boxes. We have extra boxes if you didn't get boxes. We don't have extra boxes. You can get your own shoe boxes. We're going to hit 520. And, and if I have to stay up till, till 3 a.m. the night before packing whatever, we're going to hit it. But my hope is that we step into it. And one of the reasons is I've talked to a person I sat face to face with somebody who was a child and received a box one year. And I'm hoping he'll come talk to us because when you hear that experience, you want to be a part of that. It's not just packing up something and sending it over. You are packing this full of some things that these kids have never, never have seen before, never experienced, never had opportunity. And not only is there toys and things that are useful, the gospel of Jesus travels in there. And we're going to be in heaven someday and meet some people who, because of these boxes, found Jesus. So, Orchard, I want this to take this seriously. It's not just about a shoebox of stuff. This is about furthering the gospel around the world. And it's so easy for us to pack a shoebox, okay? So step into it, grab boxes, let's do this. Let's go big this year. Now, it's been five months since the elders asked me to be the lead pastor. And we've done two series in those five months. The first one was Nehemiah, if you were here with us, about being a, the people of vision, about seeing who God is calling us to be, about being audacious, about what God asks us to do, about stepping out and stepping forward, and not just being a, a church that, that rests in our churchiness, but listen, a church that is following Jesus and truly loving God and loving people is a powerful and dynamic force. And we don't want to just do church on Sundays. We want to be the church in this area and see God change things. And then the second series we started after Nehemiah is at the cross. And the purpose of this series has been to look at the fundamental, foundational truths of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. See, you can't follow Jesus if there's no cross. The cross, as ugly and despicable of a, as an execution device as it was, stands now for something beautiful. You see, the cross stands like a banner declaring God's love over us. The cross stands as a lighthouse that no matter how dark it is in your life, there is light. The cross stands as a fortress that those who are in need can run to it for shelter. The, the cross stands as a fountain that those who need refreshing can come find refreshing. It stands up for those who can't stand for themselves. The cross stands for love that is truly unconditional. The cross stands and declares a hope that tells us that no matter how dark or how deep the valley that you're in, God is with you. The cross stands powerfully. The cross stands and proclaims that each human heart has surpassing value because God Almighty sent his son to die for you. The cross stands tall for us that no matter what you do in your life, let us never forget what has been done for us at the cross. And the cross comes, it calls us to come and die to our old ways. The, the cross is the place of ultimate sacrifice where Jesus in his love gave up his life for us. 
And it asks us to come and give our life back to him. The cross is a place where we get freedom. It's a place where you get to come and unburden yourselves from the sin and the shame that you carry. The cross is an invitation. It calls us to a new way of living. The cross tells you that your old habits and your old patterns and your wounds and your dysfunctions and your vices don't have to define you. The cross beckons us to leave behind a past of shame and look ahead to a future of freedom. You see, the cross stands unique in this world. It stands actually in history, and we mark our time by it. It's also planted in the Bible as the central, the eye of the storm of what God is doing. You see, in the beginning, in the Old Testament, there's all these whispers and hints and proclamations of a suffering servant who will come and set the people free. And then you get to the the New Testament, and the New Testament just builds every single word building on the reality of the cross. We can't escape this rugged reality of the cross because Jesus is the central event. Jesus on the cross is the central event of human history. There's no getting to God apart from the cross. There's no getting around it or over it. Jesus himself declared, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one gets to the Father except for through me and his sacrifice on the cross. And that's why I asked, I asked Eric and the creative team to, to build this monolithic cross for these, these weeks that we would be in this series because I wanted it to dominate our vision as you hear every song, as you hear every announcement, as you hear every sermon, every word, everything, that the cross would be dominant, that we couldn't escape from it this series because I want us to, in this series, get out of it and get into us some of these beautiful realities that the cross has the story of the cross is it's a beautiful one. It's called the gospel. It's a powerful story that God created humanity to have a relationship with him. But we sinned. We turned away from God to go get our needs met somewhere else. And a rift happened between God and between man. The Old Testament is the story of a, of a God who wants to come down and dwell among his people. And he provided a way of obedience so they could cleanse themselves. But then God sent his son Jesus to fulfill the old system. And Jesus, God in the flesh, came down and lived among us. He did miraculous things and he revealed God's power. He did not sin. And he found fulfillment at every moment in the presence of God. He started a revolution of love and grace. And this didn't sit well with the religious elite and the power brokers. They didn't like the fact that he was doing these things. And so he was arrested. He was tortured. And finally, he was condemned to die. And he was led out to a hill. And he was nailed to a cross. And he was lifted high for all people to see. And there as he hung on that cross, people mocked him. And they spit at him. And made fun of him. And one of the criminals on the cross next to him, who's also dying, took time out of his busy schedule to also make fun of Jesus on his cross. As he hung there, the most high God hanging high for people to see. Some people turned away from it because it was too gruesome. It was, it was too hard to watch. And others turned away because they believed that Jesus was who he said he was. But he wasn't. He's dying. How could that happen? As they lost hope. You see, they, they thought Jesus would be a conquering hero. The, the Messiah they wanted would be a political Messiah to lead them to, 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 to national power. But Jesus most often disappoints those looking for a political Messiah. He's on a mission far greater. 
You see, he's not here to set a, a nation free. He was here to set humanity free. He wasn't here to raise, he's not here to raise any nation's flag. He's here to plant the flag of his kingdom for all to see. He wasn't here to be president or Caesar because we don't need a president or Caesar. We need a savior. And he is all, we have always needed a savior more than a Caesar. You see, in Jesus, we might not have got what we wanted, but we got what our soul needed. You know, we want, we want power in life. He came to give us peace. We want happiness in our circumstance. He came to give, give us joy despite our circumstance. We desire, we desire riches, but he brings redemption. We want significance in this world, but, but he brings us purpose. We want supremacy to overcome. He brings us salvation. We are sinners and we need a savior. Romans 5.8 says, God showed us his love in this, that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. He hung there on that cross, lifted up. I said a few weeks ago that in Jesus' divine power on the cross, he could have called down a million angels. He could have ripped his hands off there and took care of everyone. I said this, it's not the nails that held Jesus to the cross. It was his love that held him there. His love for the Father and his love for you. It's a beautiful thing. It was there he died and he was buried. He was in the ground Friday, Saturday, and on Sunday, the third day, he did what he said he would do and he resurrected. He revealed himself to many people and did miracles. And can you imagine after watching Jesus be publicly executed, you see him alive again? I mean, here's the deal. If someone ever tells you, hey, I'm going to die, and then after three days, I'm going to resurrect, you're, they're probably crazy. But if they do it, you listen to that person. You listen to that person. And the, and the disciples and the followers of Jesus around him, they did listen. After they meet the resurrected Jesus, the followers of God transform. They go from this motley crew of, of young men and women who scattered in the face of danger during his arrest and they changed into fearless and bold and empowered evangelists who went on to change the world. And Jesus, after his resurrection, he meets them on a hill outside of Jerusalem. He's going to give them his final words before he leaves. He gathers them there. To, he's going to speak to them the Great Commission, his final words. It's called the Great Commission because it commissions us to go and do. It was a commissioning, go and do. And when somebody, especially Jesus, is giving you his final words before he leaves, you should probably lean in and listen. So let's do that this morning in Matthew 28, verse 16. Then the disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And they saw him, and they worshipped him. And some still doubted. And they still doubted, even though they'd seen him die and now alive. I just want to remind you of something. Your doubts don't disqualify you from God's blessings. Doubts are human. You should bring your doubts to God, not hide them from him. He's not going to be angry. He's not going to reject you because of your doubts. Doubts happen. And listen, every doubt is an opportunity for faith to grow. Every doubt is an opportunity for faith to grow. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus is saying, I've defeated sin. I've defeated death. I've defeated the enemy. I am the ultimate spiritual authority. All authority in heaven has been given to me. All authority on earth has been given to me. And therefore, 
Because of all of that, because of all that he has done, because of the work of the cross, because of who he is, because of the authority that's been given to him, because of all those things, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He says, since I've been given all authority because of who I am, you go and go and teach them to obey everything I've commanded. And surely I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. He says, I'm with you in AD 50. I'm with you in 1945. I'm with you and surely in 2019. And he says, I will go with you. But go, go. And this is the crux of the cross. The cross was not ever meant to be something that you would hoard, that you would hide, that you would hang on to. The cross is where you find freedom and power and love and grace. But we're not to pack those things away and bring it out for one hour on Sunday. Jesus died and rose again, and the final words that he gives us are to take all the love, all the forgiveness, all that he's given us, and to pass it on to a world that needs it. And this is what I want you to know. This is how I want to sew up this series. I want you to leave here today knowing one thing. What Jesus, that what Jesus did on the cross for you and in you, he wants you to give through you to the world. That whatever God did for you and in you on the cross, he wants to work through you to the world. Now, look at this massive cross. It's the last time you'll see it, okay? Look at it. It's a symbol of the actual Roman cross that he was crucified on. And it would have been a simple construction of just two beams. A vertical beam and a horizontal beam. Nothing special beyond that. And look at, look at, the, look at the vertical beam right here. This represents all that Christ has done for us and in us. And so I want to take a second to look at what he's done for us. At the cross, though we were spiritually dead, he offered us life. Though we were dead, the cross calls us to life. At the cross, God gives us unconditional love. The cross says, when you come to Jesus, you are loved without condition. And that you cannot outsin the love of God. And that you can't doubt, out, doubt yourself out of the love of God. That the love is unconditional because of the work on the cross. At the cross, we were given access to God. Remember my teaching a few weeks ago where I talked about in the temple, there was this holy of holies place where God's presence resided and there was a veil there that separated divinity from humanity. And when Jesus died on the cross, what happened? The veil, the separation was torn, not from the bottom up, not from earth to heaven. It was torn from heaven to earth as God said, no longer will I be held behind anything. I will not indwell in a place any longer. I will indwell a people. At the cross, we are given access to God in a new way. At the cross, God changed our identity. John, or Romans 6.6 6 says that we are crucified with Jesus. And our old self, because of that, our old self can be done away with. And then 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. A new creation. At the cross, sin and death were conquered. Death was conquered, which means that, that death no, no longer gets the final word in our life. That when, when somebody dies, death doesn't get the final word. 
Jesus said in John eleven twenty five, 25, I am the resurrection. I am the life. If anyone believes in me, though they die, they shall live. That there's another reality that he calls us to. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, thank God that he gives us victory over sin and death through Jesus Christ. At the cross, because of the cross, sin doesn't define you and death doesn't hold you. Because the cross shows us that Jesus was without sin. It did not define him. And it shows us the grave could not hold him. And he does those things in us. There's so much more that that the cross does for us, but I want to look at what the cross does in us. You see, at at the cross, because of the cross, the fruits of the Spirit are active in us. Divine character virtues growing within our heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because of the cross, God works unwavering hope in us. The cross gives us hope. Hope that our past is forgiven. Hope that we have a secure eternal future, but also hope in the present for peace and for power. Hope for tomorrow that I can be different. Hope in all these ways. And hope, hope that if all goes wrong, that Jesus wins in the end and I will spend eternity with him. At the cross of God, we are rooted in unending grace for us. That he works unending grace that has no ends. That his grace loves us despite our sins. At the cross gives us what we most long for. Significance and value, security and love. My dad so powerfully preached a few weeks ago. He said that sin is when we try to get from the world what only God can provide. And at the cross, he provided those things. You see, the the power of of the cross is that God does so much for us and so much in us. And I want to remind you that these things were done for you and in you without you working for it, without you accomplishing something to get it, without you earning it. These are free gifts from a good father. Because of his son's sacrifice, we get access to a way of life that transcends anything we could imagine. I could fill up 52 sermons once every weekend on just the benefits of the cross. But I think we're good today. But I do want to say something. It's amazing to me how just how generous God has been because of the cross. It's amazing to me that every morning his mercy is new. It's amazing to me that, that his grace, grace covers me all the time. It's amazing that every second of my, of my life his unconditional love goes with me and you. But what most often happens is that we take all these benefits And we're either ignorant of them or we just hold on to them, keep them back. I would say the average person who says they believe in Jesus would say that they've received some sort of forgiveness of past. They don't know if they really feel that all the time. And then someday I'll go to heaven. It's like a get out of hell free card that they just pack away. And you know, someday I'll need this. But right, so I have my God card. um, So now I'm just going to go about my life. We pack those things away on the shelf. Bring them out on a Sunday, maybe. But but we look at the cross. Remember, it has two beams, one vertical, representing all that the cross has done for us and in us. But there's also a horizontal beam. And I just want to say, what if? What if this horizontal beam of the cross, what if it represents something? What if all the cross did for us divinely and vertically in us this 
horizontal beam says that we should do for others relationally? What if Jesus didn't just die on the cross to get things into you, but so that you could work these very things through you? What if we were never intended, ever intended to hoard and hide and hang on to the gifts of the cross, but instead generously and continually pass them through our lives to people around us? You see, you've been given unconditional love from God. That is love that you get, that I get, that we do not deserve. And I have to ask myself, am I loving people around me the way God loves me? Am I relationally loving the way that he's divinely loved me? Am I passing on unconditional love? Or is my love conditional based on what people are doing for me? And what about you? Is, is some of your love fickle depending on what people, whether they agree with you or not? This is a serious question coming up. Do you love people who voted differently than you? Do you love people who are going to vote differently than you? Do you love those who look differently than you? Do you love those who believe differently than you? Going further, while Jesus hung on the cross, he, he prayed for those who tortured him. He prayed and he loved those who hurt him. And the question is, do we love our enemies? He asked us to. Do you love those who have hurt you? Do you love those who've acted unlovable to you? Now let me just say something. We need to have boundaries. Part of love is boundaries. Love doesn't mean you have open access to my life and hurting me. But do you have an unconditional love for somebody? Even if they're never going to be able to hurt you again, I love them with God's love. The love of God that works in us because of the cross needs to work through us to others. Those who believe in Jesus, we've, we've been given a deep well of hope that God will be with us and work in us even in our darkest valleys. And I want you to look around your life. There are people you work with, that you, that you live with, that you, that you play with, that you gather with. And they need the hope of Jesus that you have. They don't have it. They don't have the hope that their past is forgiven. They don't have the hope of peace and power in the present. They don't have the hope of, of eternity. But you do. The hope that God works in us divinely, we need to pass on relationally. What about the peace? God grants us access to divine peace, and that peace should overflow in our lives. Orchard, we should be known as peacemakers. We should be known as peaceful. Are you a conduit of peace, or are you just a container of it, just holding it? Does it flow through you? The fruits of the Spirit are actively planted in your life, those who say they have come to Jesus. These are divine attributes that God grows in our hearts. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Do those around you receive the ripe fruit of heaven? Extra patience, self-control, love, peace from you? Or, or, or are you having just a fruit salad of your own? Like what God works in us divinely, we need to work through us relationally. Listen, God has changed you if you're in Christ. Those who've come to Jesus, God has changed us, not just kinda, he's changed our identity and he speaks new identity. He doesn't speak condemnation, he doesn't speak judgment. How do you pass that on? Do you speak life to people around you? Or do you speak judgment? All that God has done for us on the cross, he wants to do through us. All that God has done in us 
at the cross he wants to do through us. What does it look like when somebody lives a life like this? When somebody lives a life relationally, giving away what God is giving them divinely. We look at the the life of Jesus. He did this at all times. You see the words that Jesus spoke, the miracles that he did, the the love he gave, it shocked people. If you read Jesus' story, there are people astonished at the way he acts and speaks and loves and forgives. There are people stark by the nature of his words and deeds and, and it drew people to him. He couldn't travel from one town to the next without people just following him, wanting to get some of this relational goodness that God was putting in him. What God did in Jesus, it flowed through him, and people were amazed. And people around us, us who claim to be followers of Jesus, people around us should be amazed at some point as well. If no one's being amazed at what's coming out of my life, I need to reconsider some things. Because what the cross did in me, God's asking to work through me. You know, people should be drawn to God by the way we live our lives, by our words and our actions and our generosity and our love. People should get a taste, a taste of heaven and be drawn to that. Sometimes a Jesus follower passes on the goodness of God in such a way, such a powerful way, that the world stops and takes notice. And you'll see these things happen every now and then. Maybe you've experienced it in somebody else, where somebody acts in such a way that it is just shocking at the amount of love or grace or forgiveness or generosity or or servants, heart, or or whatever it could be. It's just astonishing when somebody does something and you know that the cross of Christ has worked in them and you're feeling it work through them. Here's a moment such as that. September 6th, 2008. 26-year-old Botham Jean was at home in his own apartment. Apartment had many different floors and it was all kind of identical. He was in his own. He was an accountant. He was a believer in Jesus. And by all accounts of the character witnesses, he was a great kid. And that night, a woman named Amber, who also lived in this apartment complex, she got mixed up on the floors and unintentionally went into his apartment And she saw him there and she thought he was an intruder. She thinks she's in her house. So she shoots him. She kills him. It's a terrible tragedy. There's there's no question about all the tragedy that goes involved in this. That's not what I want to get into. I want to get into the fact that what happened after that. She was tried for murder and at the trial, Botham's brother, his baby brother Brant, asked if he could talk. So he gets up. He takes the witness stand. And I want you to listen to a young man. (laughs) I want you to listen to a young man and you will see that the cross of Christ worked something in him and he is passing something on that could only be the relational result of what God divinely did within him. I want you to be astonished once again as we see what it looks like when what God does in us, God works through us. I don't want to say twice or for the hundredth time what you've or how much you've taken from us. I think you know that. But I just 
I hope you go to God with all what all the guilt all the thing the bad things you may have done in the past each and every one of us may have done something that we're not supposed to do if you truly are sorry I know I can speak for myself I I forgive you and I know if you go to God and ask him he will forgive you and I don't think anyone could say it again I'm speaking for myself not even bad for my family but I love you just like anyone else and I'm not gonna say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did but I see I I personally want the best for you and I I wasn't gonna ever say this in front of my family or anyone but I don't even want you to go to jail I want the best for you because I know that's what that's exactly what both of them would want you to do and the best would be give your life to Christ I'm not going to say anything else I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do again I love you as a person and I don't wish anything bad on you I don't know if this is possible but can can I give her a hug please please yes See, we've been given grace that surpasses understanding. And we should be givers of grace that surpasses understanding. We have been granted grace that forgives all things. And we can be the people of grace who carry that with us. You see, all that was done for us at the cross for you, all the the cross did in you, Jesus asks for us to let that work through you. Because the world needs more of that. So from now on, when you see the cross, yes, it's the symbol of where Jesus died. It's the symbol of where he gave his life. But I want you to see that there are always two beams. And I want you from this point on to always be reminded that the cross worked something in you divinely so that you can work it out of you relationally. That we're not to hold it. We're not to hoard it. Though the people of the cross would bring the cross into the life with us. This is what it means to love God, love people, Orchard. If we do not get this, we are not who we say we are. We love God and we love people. If we truly believe that, we will pass love on to the unlovable. 
We will pass hope on to those around us who are failing. We will pass the words of God on to those around us who are perishing. We'll open our hearts. We'll open our lives. We'll open our, we'll open our arms. And we'll open our mouth and speak and act as Jesus would act if he were here. We will love people enough that in words and in deed, we will declare the cross of Christ. And we will be grace givers and lovers of people, bringing peace with us. You've, we've been commissioned, we've been called. And before we go into communion, I want to just challenge us with that. that. That what God works in us, we work out of us. We love God, we love people. But as we end this series, I can't get away from this series without talking about one last, th- one last thing. When Jesus hung there on the cross, it says in Luke 23, there was two criminals with him, one on, one on each side. And he hung there, and they all hung there with him. They all three hung there together in the hot sun as people jeered at them in intense pain, just waiting for death to end the pain. And, and one of the criminals over here on this side, he was so jaded and so calloused that he said, he yelled at Jesus, you call yourself the Messiah? Rescue yourself. Jesus did not respond, but the criminal on the other side did. He said, have you no respect for God? We're up here because we deserve it, but he did nothing. And then he turns to Jesus. He says, Jesus, when you get to your kingdom, will you remember me? And Jesus, up there between these two criminals, he turns to him. He says, this day, This very day, you'll be with me in paradise. He was never baptized, never went to church. But on that cross, he gave a confession of who God is and whose kingdom it is. And that was salvation for that criminal. And I'm going to meet him someday. One criminal was, was jaded, too prideful to surrender. One criminal was broken. One asked for God's grace and received it. One asked for nothing and received it. And the question is, which of these criminals do you partner with? Because in a room this size, there are those of us who are here and we are calloused at religion. We have been wounded by church. We don't know about this whole Jesus thing. And we're over here saying, oh, if he's really Messiah, then let me see something. Rescue yourself. Rescue me. Change something. But when we get to a point where we are open to what God would do and we can side with this criminal and say, Jesus, you're God. And I want to be a part of your kingdom. And today if you're here and you have never prayed to receive Jesus as your Savior, I want to offer you an opportunity to cross from death to life. I want to give you the opportunity to pray this prayer. And in this prayer, you're going to declare a confession like that criminal that's going to change your soul, change your destiny, change your past. So if you want to pray that with me this morning, I would love it. We're all going to pray together. Let's bow our heads and pray after me. Jesus, I need you. I know you died. And you rose again. And you are Savior. You gave me your life. I give you mine. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. 
You are my Savior. Amen. The Bible says that on the confession of that, that you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and died and rose again, you are saved. And so today as we end all this, we're going to go into communion. And this is um, the symbol of Jesus' sacrifice. And so we're going to take communion. I want you to hold these elements, take them, and thank God for the cross. And as you take it, remember what God does in you. Think of those that, that you need to give love to out there. Jesus, hear our prayers during this time. Be fully active, Holy Spirit. Amen.